Good morning, everybody. It is Friday, so get ready. Hold on to your pants, because it's going to get spicy up in here, people. Good morning. It is Friday, May 26, 2023. Welcome to episode number 375 of Simply Cyber's daily cyber threat brief podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Gerald Dozier. And over the next 45 minutes, me, you, Jamie Fleck, Aaron Strong, Robert Claussen, Syasia, Matt McDaniel, William Welch, Cherie Slam, Age Tinsdale, the entire Simply Cyber squad, the Simply Cyber community, and those who are new here are going to be shredding, just absolutely eviscerating the top cyber news stories of the day. And I'll be giving my opinion and expert analysis on each of those stories on what it means to you as a practitioner. So how can you operationalize it? Today, tactically, long-term, strategically, Q3, Q4, you got to be mindful of all this that's going on. And if you're looking to break in the industry, well, settle in, my friend, because we are going to be exposing you to terminologies, concepts, current events, global macro, um, you know, picture type stuff, geopolitical stuff, tactical, um, technical things like this particular piece of technology is screwed and you really got to do something about it. Whatever it is, you're going to get asked in a job interview. How do you stay current in the industry? This right here, my friend, is the answer. And I'm super pumped about it. But before we get into it, want to say shout out to Retia. Got their merch. If you're familiar with Cody Kinsey, check him out. Love Cody Kinsey. Love supporting him and his um, initiatives. Now, Speaking of supporting those in their initiatives, let me say holla, 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 and shout out and thanks to the stream sponsors who allow me to continue to do this every single day and basically live the dream of supporting and serving this community. Shout out to Barricade Cyber Solutions. Barricade Cyber Solutions is dedicated to helping businesses from cyber attacks and recover from the damage done. Cyber attacks can cause massive issues for businesses and send dedicated, hardworking business owners into turmoil. But Barricade Cyber Solutions, my friend Eric Taylor, knows how to mitigate the damage done by cyber incidents. Check them out at barricadecyber.com. Notice in the read, it's mitigate the damage done, not come in with like a snow shovel after the damage and clean up your mess. Yes, they will help you clean up your mess, but you know what works out better? If you get them there before the mess happens, and then they can stand up bollards, they can put in rock salt so it doesn't ice over, right? You see I'm making a, like a, a winter metaphor here. Get with Barricade Cyber. They can set you up for success. Ian Kincaid, my man. Rocking with Barricade. Love it, love it, love it. Also want to say shout out and thanks to XM Cyber who continue to support the channel. Um, Organizations are overwhelmed with thousands of exposures across the cloud and on-prem environments on a monthly basis, so efficiently reducing that risk is nearly impossible. I would argue it is completely impossible. Discover the most critical threats and practical tips, actually actionable things you can do, on how to overcome remediation fatigue with a new approach to efficiently reducing risk with XM Cyber's 2023 State of Exposure Management Report. There's a link in the description below. Just go down, click on it, get the report. Tons of great juicy tidbits, facts, statistically supported evidence that you can A, use to better educate yourself, 
be used to uh, basically compel the business, make a good marketing angle pitch to the business for investment dollars. And three, just to kind of uh, familiarize yourself with exposure management, which is essentially a new, it's not new, but exposure management is a relatively new concept that evolved out of vulnerability management that really takes into account all of the risk to a business, not just missing patches and stuff like that. All right. And I have teased out a course on exposure management that is in the works. It's just, you know, it's, it's not, it's not just me involved with it. So it's not moving at the speed of me, which is unfortunate. All right, guys, I want to say if you're live, love it. 124, you beautiful people. Looks like we got a you guys know, if you went to uh, higher ed college, uh, the weekend starts on Thursday. So I'm guessing the uh, we got a lot of college students who normally are in the briefing <laughs> and just still getting a little getting a little the Sandman out of their eyes because it's so early on a Friday. But if you are live with us, hashtag team live. Love it. I see DJ Bsec up in here uh, rocking the low country and his his uh, supercharged rental. Love it. Uh, if you are watching on replay, hashtag Team Replay. Want to do a special little comment to Team Replay member Misty Eyed. Misty, I see your comment every day about adding closed captioning. I am working on it. Believe me, it's just not as simple as toggling on closed caption. I actually have to change the latency with which the streams gets pushed, which changes the bandwidth, which would result in me coming in choppy and mixed up, and probably like a 60 second delay on the stream versus like the 10 second delay that it currently is now. So. I hear you. I know you want closed captioning. It is just not as simple as flipping a switch, though, but it is being investigated, all right? If you are getting here late and you're double speeding to catch up to us or you have to leave early because you got a meeting, uh, don't they understand it? The Daily Cyber Threat Brief podcast is 45 minutes and you don't need a meeting up in your business. But if you are, hashtag Team Hybrid. Let us know you're here live and on replay. We appreciate you. And then finally, my favorite hashtag, Passive Observer, if you're not familiar with the passive observer movement, listen up. If you're shy, introverted, socially, you know, imposter syndrome, whatever, whatever it is, and you're watching this chat stream by, and you're like, oh man, 139 people and 138 of them are, are chatting. And then there's me. I'm not chatting. First of all, push that aside. Don't sweat it. Take your first step into professional networking. Put hashtag passive observer in chat. No one, no one's going to point fingers at you. If anything, they're going to celebrate and welcome you into the chat into the community professional networking is unbelievably valuable so please take advantage of it hey rhoda i see you good morning to you be sex shy yeah right sean and sharice um pursuit of bliss if you can or mods can you just tell me what sean and sharice did i'd love to celebrate um with y'all i just i'm i'm up here <laughs> i'm up here hosting um just to remind everybody, um, I do not see the stories ahead of time. I don't know what we're going to be getting into. This is my what's up, that IT guy in Cuda. Come here. It's good to see you guys. I don't see these stories in advance. I don't know what we're going to be talking about today. What you're going to be getting is my direct, honest, in-the-moment reaction to this content. Yes, John Bruno, passing the sec plus. Thank you, Sean and Sharice. I hope, I hope, I guess both of you did. Love it, love it, love it. I love Guys, I love that we are able to celebrate wins on the Daily Cyber Threat Brief podcast. It's such an extra special treat. Um, all right, let, well, let's get into the news. Sit back, relax, and let the cool sounds of the hot news wash over you in an awesome wave. From the CISO series, it's cybersecurity headlines. 
It's Friday, May 26th, 2023. GDPR is five years old and over one million people have asked to be forgotten. On the fifth birthday of GDPR, a new study from Surfshark shows that between 2015 and 2021, over one million right-to-be-forgotten requests to delist certain search results were submitted to Google and Microsoft Bing from 32 countries. Highlights from the study show that France is in first place with over 255,000 requests. Also, when the COVID-19 pandemic started, requests for right to be forgotten rose nearly 30%. Estonia had the most requests per 10,000 people, more than 2.5 times higher than average, and 1 in 10 right to be forgotten webpage delisting requests are crime-related. All right, all right, a couple things here. One... I know, I think it was, uh, I don't know, like, so this whole week I did multiple, like, non-Simply Cyber live streams. I was in three different ones. I was a moderator in one. In one of them, I forget where it came up, but in one of them, there were Simply Cyber community members talking about how uh, how I get, like, hot and bothered for a good infographic. And I thought it was <laughs> really funny because there was no context um, for it. it. It may have been yesterday. I don't know when it was. But... Anyways, hey, you know what? This is a good infographic. I like the color scheme. You know, it's your basic bar chart, par ch pie chart. So we're not we're not reinventing anything. This is like 1950s IBM reporting. But still, I like the color scheme. Okay, so here's the deal. GDPR, which most people get confused, uh, most people get distracted because GDPR is basically the number one import, <laughs> the number one import for uh, revenue generation for European Union. Uh, you know, built on the backs of Meta and Amazon. I'm, I'm being slightly facetious, but if you've been paying attention, Ireland, France, UK, they they find the living crap out of uh, Meta and Amazon to the tune of like 250 million or whack, 400 million. Just recently, there was like a $1 billion hit on Meta. So, you know, whatever, the, the, the pockets are swelling. But what people forget is that GDPR actually empowers it, or it's supposed to empower citizens of the European Union to request to be forgotten, right? Now, what does this mean? It means that, hey, Google, I want you to forget about Jerry Osher. But really, um, just as a quick aside, right? Don't you forget about me. Uh-huh, little play on words. You guys follow me? Okay, so if you want a request to be forgotten, Google or Amazon or even, you know, Joe Bellin's ice cream shop, if they keep track of you, are supposed to honor that request and go in and delete your data. Now, a couple things to think about here. That is really just like closed captioning on the streams. It sounds simple, right? Hey, I'm Ian Kincaid, Meta, delete my information. And some, you know, some engineer at Meta is like, oh, okay, no problem. Like, do, 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 Ian Kincaid. And then like a video game, like all the Ian Kincaid records show up and then you press delete and then there's the blinking, like, are you sure you want to do this? And yes. And then Ian Kincaid disappears from Google. That is what it, it's probably marketed as, right? That's what the 30 second commercial is. That's what the Apple, it, you know, trying to push privacy is. But in reality, think about this. I want Ian Kincaid wants to be, sorry, Ian, hopefully you don't mind me using you as the avatar for this example. Ian Kincaid is like, delete me. And then Google's like, okay. So Google tries to delete you. Now, what about all the references to Ian Kincaid in other people's content? What if Ian Kincaid's in the background of a photo that I took? 
Is it, do, do you delete my photo? I don't know. What about everything that happens after the moment you push delete that involves Ian Kincaid? Ian Kincaid says, delete my stuff on May 26th. And then Ian Kincaid runs for mayor of, you know, you know, Metropolis on May 31st in a newspaper articles out there. And then boom, like, so it's a point in time. It gets very, very entangled and very, very muddled. What about systems that Meta owns, but as subsidiaries? So they're not directly Meta. They're, you know, affiliates, partners. What about data of Ian Kincaid that Meta has sold to data brokers? Do you see what I'm saying? Like, it's so simple to say, oh, just delete my stuff. In practice, it's ridiculously complicated. And I'm sure because the businesses, these massive conglomerates, are not making money off of deleting Ian Kincaid's information. I'm sure they're doing everything that is compliant with the request and compliant with the law. But I bet you in practice, it is, you know, a hot mess express. Like, where's my emo dumpster fire? This is what it, okay. We don't use this one often, but that dumpster fire emote, that's what it looks like when you try to request to be forgotten. Now, that doesn't mean you're not supposed to try to do it, right? And uh, you could see here, France leads the way. Uh, you know, to me, I don't know if my European Union friends are in the house. Like, have you tried to request it is a simple process. I'll go back and read chat after the stream is over. But let me know. I mean, I'm kind of curious. Like, I'm curious, why is France lead the, the way? Why is um, Germany, Gregor, Doris, my German friends? You know, is there any, is there any correlation to what's going on? <laughs> The final thing that they mentioned in the story um, that's worth noting is that they said most of the requests are related to criminal activity. So I knew a, I knew a woman uh, who I worked with briefly who had a DUI in college, uh, driving under the influence. She got, she got hammered and got behind the wheel and got arrested, okay? But she came from a, you know affluent family with connections and power. And she had that, she had that incident completely scrubbed. I mean, she, she paid a fine and she went to some counseling and stuff like that. But she had told me, she's like, oh, you're, you're a cyber geek, huh? She's like, like, try to find this, try to find this using your OSINT capabilities, right? She's like, you're not gonna be able to find it. It's been completely expunged. It's been obliterated. So it is. Like, I just want to point out that that is a reason because she's going to go on to like pharmacy college or whatever and, and become, you know, family money and all that. But my point is criminal backgrounds can follow you a long time, right? If you're a felon, maybe you're a felon in chat and you're, you're fine. I see felons from time to time or yeah, felons who are served their time and are now back into general, you know, society um, struggle to find work, right? And it's because that criminal history follows you. So I could see that being a, a key motivator. You got to remember, like, yes, you could be a, like an uber privacy zealot. But for most people who are not privacy zealots, why would you want a request to be forgotten? It's obviously to hide um, some type of story or incident or event that paints you in a light that you don't like and you don't want people to know. So that's the deal with that. Um, Jessica Probst, weird flex. Hold on. Was I flexing on something? I don't know. I, I didn't feel like I did. All right, here we go. Lab security update patches a critical vulnerability. GitLab this week resolved a critical severity vulnerability impacting both GitLab Community Edition and Enterprise Edition. 
tracked as CVE 2023-2825 and leading to arbitrary file reads, this newly addressed oh, security defect thank has you. a maximum <laughs> CVSS score of 10. According to GitLab, the issue was introduced in both the Community and Enterprise Editions version 16.0.0 and was resolved on Tuesday with the release of version 16.0.1 of the platform. The flaw was reported by a researcher named Pony, P-W-N-I-E, via GitLab's HackerOne-hosted bug bounty program. Mysterious... Okay, cool. Um... So I didn't know, I, like, <clears throat> so a couple things here. One, this is this is yet another um, example of where security research being supported, where responsible disclosure being executed, and where bug bounties are, you know, that whole ecosystem of those three things come together and really drive safe, secure change and uh, safe, secure use of popular security, uh, popular software. Okay. So GitLab, massive tool. Lots of people use it. Huge critical vulnerability comes out. Someone who is responsible discloses it and makes it available and Get, GitLab uh, pushes it. You can see um, this doesn't happen often. And you've seen me talk about this on the stream in the past. This had a score of 10 right? 10 is the highest score you can get for a vulnerability, okay? It goes 0 to 10. Most of the time, big nasties will come in with a 9.8, and they actually reserve that 0.2 for when it's actually being exploited in the wild, right? Because vulnerabilities have a temporal score or a they change over time, okay? Because <clears throat> just because I find like some sick, it, sick wicket vulnerability that could like, you know, bring everything down like I'm a a, a, a supervillain in a Bond movie. That doesn't mean it's actually exploited or exploitable or been exploited, right? Sometimes it, you find it, but you can't do anything with it, right? And then once the exploit comes out at some point in the future, then the risk goes up because now there's a tool that can exploit it, right? And this is what we see. So for it to be a 10 out the gate is very, very alarming. And something that you should, if you ever see a vulnerability with a score of 10, you should absolutely perk up and be like, what what we got going on here, right? Thanks, Don Cartagena7 for the sub. An unauthenticated malicious user can uh, do a path traversal, which basically means like you go into the uh, browser, um, you go into the browser and you can use like dot, dot, slash, dot, dot, slash, dot, dot, slash, and basically go up or down a file directory structure, right? If you look at a URL in the web browser, right? If you're watching on desktop right now and you got a, a web browser open, when you see like, you know, whatever, like securityweek.com slash GitLab, GitLab slash whatever index.html, those slashes are no different than your file explorer or your directory, um, your directory and your file management, if you open a Linux box and type CD and went to a directory one level down, those slashes, that's what that is, right? You're, you're accessing different things on a web server. It's no different, okay? So if you're able to go dot, dot, slash, dot, dot, slash, you're able to traverse up and then come back down a different branch of the directory tree structure, which is not good, right? So um, it looks like there's a security patch out there. I don't use GitLab personally, but I know a million people do, so get after it. I want to say holla to Pony for dropping that hacker one hosted bug bounty. Whoop. Malware designs a cripple industrial systems linked to Russia.
A rare form of malicious software designed to infiltrate and disrupt critical systems that run industrial facilities such as power plants has been uncovered and linked to a Russian telecom firm, according to a report released Thursday from the cybersecurity firm Mandiant. The discovery of the malware, dubbed Cosmic Energy, is somewhat unusual since it was uploaded to VirusTotal, a service that Google owns that scans URLs and files for malware in December 2021 by a user with a Russian IP address. And it was found through threat hunting and not following an attack on a critical infrastructure system. However, Cosmic Energy joins a highly specialized group of malware applications such as Stuxnet, Industroyer, and Trisis, all purpose-built for industrial systems. Okay. <laughs> Chinese. Oh, my God. All right, I'm going to tinfoil hat. I, I don't know if you guys caught that or not. Tinfoil hat, okay. <laughs> oh, my God. All right, so we talk about Carl working in, like, accounting and, like, clicking on dumb stuff. You got to remember, dudes, um, threat actors are humans, too. <laughs> so somebody... Russia, <laughs> so some some group in Russia, right, has developed this super awesome piece of industrial system malware that nobody had detected, okay? It had not been actively involved in an incident that anyone knew about. It could be all over the place, but it was so stealthy, so good, no one knew. And so <laughs> somebody in Russia uploaded it to virus total okay virus total is a you know like security community shared site where people drop pieces of uh files or artifacts or whatever and it scans it to see if it's malicious and then it reports out that it's malicious and then it, it basically it's like <clears throat> it's like putting it in like a community bulletin board right like you're like hey here's malware <laughs> so no one had discovered it and somebody from russia uploaded it again I, 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 you know, it's, it's, and I'm going to tell you uh, in a second too. So someone uploaded it and then it immediately be, became discovered and then people started looking for it and then they found it. Right. So they're doing threat hunting now looking for the cosmic energy stuff because it's like, oh, wow, look at this like stealthy malware. So it, it would appear because there's no, like, to me, there's no obvious motivation to basically expose yourself if you're the people behind cosmic energy, right? There's no reason to like, basically they burned their own tool. Okay. Now you might think, all right, well, what if it was somebody who found it on their network, right? Cause this is how it would really happen, right? I'm, I'm doing my job. I'm, I'm Jerry, the cyber guy. Blah, 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 blah. Oh, what's this weird artifact? Let me throw it up to virus total and see if it's malicious. Oh, it's whatever. Okay, so that could happen. But it was it was sent from a Russian IP address. Russia typically doesn't attack themselves. Okay, Russia's pretty good about not attacking themselves. So good to the point that one of the controls that they use is to look at the language the keyboard is currently configured in. You know how when you set up a new computer, like the very first question is what language do you use? And most of us just say English, which is the default and hit enter. And we never think about it again. Well, not all, but you know, it's not uncommon for Russian based malware to look at what the keyboard configuration is. And if it's in Cyrillic or whatever the language is that's, you know, in that area of Russia, the, the malware will stop detonating and it will just delete itself, right? It, it's like a mechanism to inoculate itself from impacting its own citizens. 
So the, the likelihood that cosmic energy was maliciously deployed into another Russian industrial control system, and then that Russian control system, someone found it and uploaded it to VirusTotal, to me, is a low, pri a low, um, low likelihood. So, so to me, when I read this, it screams Carl or, you know, Comrade Carl <laughs> accidentally uploaded it to VirusTotal. Um, and 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 basically burned their own tool. Uh, so again, if you do work in, um, if you do work in industrial control systems, energy, uh, oil sector, critical infrastructure is pretty wide. Um, I'd have to read this story a little bit deeper. But Mandian's on the case now. A Mandian analyst analyzed it. So there's probably uh, IOCs out there meaning indicators of compromise, things you can threat hunt for in your environment now on this cosmic energy. So if you're looking for like a fun Friday activity, um, like this is something that would be fun to me. If you're looking for a fun Friday activity, pull down the IOCs for cosmic energy, spread them out to your other friends at the, um, at the industrial control system plant or you know, factory or wherever where you work and spend 30 minutes doing some threat hunting, looking for those IOCs. It could be like a little fun Friday, um, you know, group activity, unless you find it on your environment. And then you got, <laughs> then you're probably going to be working on the weekend. Hackers that triggered U.S. alarm hit defense targets. A group of Chinese hackers who recently triggered a multi-nation alert have been conducting a cyber espionage campaign against military and government targets in the United States, according to researchers speaking on Thursday. The group, dubbed Vault Typhoon by Microsoft, was the subject of an alert <coughs> issued by cybersecurity and intelligence agencies in the United States, Britain, and their close allies. The warning said that Vault Typhoon was developing capabilities that could, quote, disrupt critical communications infrastructure between the United States and Asia regions during future crises, end quote. The group has targeted critical infrastructure organizations in the U.S. Pacific Territory of Guam, according to Microsoft. Okay, so a couple of things, a couple of things, okay, a couple, couple of things. Uh, one is like playful and humorous, and I'll just do that. Um, James Harden uh, meme. Okay, like this, I don't know if you guys can see, hold on, let me open this up. Like this picture, right? When I see, when I see China rejects claims of spying on Western critical infrastructure. This is what I think of. Like James Harden is the United States here where it's like, bruh, like, come on. You kidding me? Like, like, Hey, a, a United States is spying all over the place, doing espionage all over the place. So I'm not saying that our hands are clean. America, Israel, um, go look at Stuxnet and what happened to Iran. Like we're, we're, we're just as, you know, crazy up in this, uh, cyber war. I mean, we have an entire department of defense, <laughs> dedicated to cyberspace okay so don't get that mistaken but china rejecting claims on spying come on come on man that's been like your mo for like the last 15 years medical research um engineering blueprints academia like nuclear energy like there's been multiple multiple cases so what are you talking about like it was just in the news yesterday that kenya is claiming china is um hacking into their into their you know basically ministry of finance which is not western critical infrastructure but just stop stop okay this right here a hundred percent appropriate <laughs> so anyways 
what this is referring to is the Volt Typhoon. Um, the Volt Typhoon uh, group or malware. This thing blew up. I have not seen um, a more coordinated multi-agency private, private sector organization around a response than I have seen in a long time to this Volt Typhoon thing. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, essentially Volt Typhoon is, it's a very specific Chinese backed, uh, allegedly uh, group that is targeting, I want to say energy uh, in the energy sector in the United States. It's, it's very specific, um, but the response was wildly uh, massive. Okay. So, um, I'm, I'll just drop this in chat. Like, if you want to, like, I'd recommend folks, especially people who are trying to um, <clears throat> get into the, the industry and stuff, read this blog post. This came out just a few days ago. It's a 10 minute read. It's, it's well, it's really well done, like really well done. And it actually, like the amount of a good infographic, the amount of Intel and actionable Intel that came out of this was like unbelievable. And they, it came out like wicked quick, right? So Volt Typhoon, here's this record. And then here's the cybersecurity advisory with multi-agencies, right? You could see uh, NSA, CISA, FBI, Australian government, Signals Directorate, um, way to go, Aussie. Canada was up in here, the UK. I mean, this is not, dude, like guys, this is not a light response. This is a heavy duty response. Uh, let me drop this link in chat as well. So I recommend... Yes, Gary, exactly. I recommend you read this uh, report. I don't always recommend uh, reading these things, but I recommend you read this one. Like, look at the look at the length of this report. Look at the IOCs, the technical detail that's involved in here. You can go threat hunting with all of this, right? They also have mitigations in here. Here's the IOCs. Oh, you guys can't really see that. Here's the indicators of compromise. It's tough on stream, okay? It's tough on stream. So anyways, go look at that. You'll be happy you did. And now a word from our sponsor, Sunri Security. Did you know that 81% of breaches are due to compromised identities? It's a sobering statistic and one that enterprise organizations cannot afford to ignore. Sunri Security has made a name for itself by securing enterprise clouds from the inside out, securing every identity, access, and permission in the cloud. Download Sunry Security's new CIEM Buyer's Guide to learn more about fortifying your cloud from the inside out. You can get it at sunrysecurity.com. That's S-O-N-R-A-I security.com. All right, it's the mid-roll, <clears throat> which means one thing. <clears throat> All right, guys, genuinely appreciate you being here on this beautiful Friday morning here on the East Coast. So wherever you are, if it's morning, evening, afternoon, Middle of the night, I appreciate you being here live in real time with all of us. If you're getting value out of the stream, entertainment value, educational value, heck, you're just a regular member of the community and you want to pay it forward, take a hot second, hit that like button. It goes a long way. The reason I'm asking you to hit the like button is because it, it triggers the YouTube algorithm to tell YouTube to tell other people who are searching for cybersecurity content about this stream. So it, it, it takes a village, everybody, for, for, for this to happen. So please take a minute, hit the like button, and, it, and basically trigger the algorithm and help more people find the stream. I want to say thanks to the stream sponsors, obviously Barricade and XM continuing to drive. 
But I didn't tell you about Panopsi Security. I actually had a call with Brandon Poole the other day. We might be doing some work together in the fall, so stay tuned for some interesting information on that. Uh, Panopti Security does all sorts of amazing work, but one of the things that they do that's wicked powerful is a quantified risk assessment. A quantified risk assessment is a capability where you come in, you evaluate people, process, technology, size of the business, threat landscape, industry, you do the whole thing, you put it into a blender, this is where the expertise comes up, you blend it up and then you pour it out and the output is a fact-based, statistically sound output that will tell you where your risks are, specifically what threats, what cyber threats you are likely to experience and at what percentage. So you can do this and say, hey, your business has a 38 to 42% chance of suffering a ransomware incident in the next 18 months. Is that acceptable to you, right? Or let's just say 50% chance of a a ransomware incident. Is that acceptable to you? So what you're telling the CEO now is, dude, you have a coin flips chance of getting ransomware. Is that okay? And then you can offer recommendations. Hey, you know, for only only $40,000, you're right, one one third of a full-time employee, one time, you can reduce it to 18% chance of a ransomware incident. Do you want to do that? Most people will say yes, but you have to give them the information to be able to make that decision and to be able to have that conversation. So check out Panopsi Security, links in the description below. Guys, uh, I always forget to tell people this, but I'm gonna start doing it. If you would prefer to listen to the um, Daily Threat Briefing podcast on audio, right? You're driving, you're at the gym, you're at the grocery store, whatever, you're not live. It gets pushed to Spotify, Apple podcast, all the major podcast outlets every single day. You can see episode 374 from yesterday, right here, 373, right before it, right? Subscribe or follow or whatever it is you do on podcasts. I, I forget to even push this. There's about four or 500 people who do consume this daily, but it's out there. Take advantage of it. I pay like 20 bucks a month to maintain it. So <laughs> I figured I should start telling people about this so they can take advantage of it. Thank you all for your continued squad support to be able to enable, you know, nice things like the podcast uh, to be able to get it in that vehicle. All right, guys, I want to remind everybody about the Simply Cyber Community Challenge. Michael Huskin is currently holding the baton. Michael, if you're in chat, if you could please tag someone um, and let us know. Whoever gets tagged, go on to LinkedIn. Search on the hashtag Simply Cyber Community Challenge um, hashtag. Read the stories that are there, and more importantly, connect with the individuals who are posting on the Simply Cyber Community Challenge, both the original poster and the people in the comments. I myself am connecting with new people as well. I love it. Build your own um, professional network using the Simply Cyber Community Challenge. It's just another initiative that the Simply Cyber Community wants to give to you so you can have value and build your own network. Every single Friday, my son Grayson provides a joke of the week, and today is no different. Grayson wants to know why you can't trust atoms. Why can you not trust atoms, the, the, the little tiny building blocks of life? You know why you can't trust atoms? Because they make up everything. All right. Thanks for the joke of the week, Grayson. I genuinely appreciate it. Let's slide back into the news, y'all. Zycel issues critical security patches for firewall and VPN products. 
Zycel has released software updates to address two critical security flaws affecting select firewall and VPN products that could be abused by remote attackers to achieve code execution. Both the flaws, CVE 2023-33009 and 33010, are buffer overflow vulnerabilities and are rated 9.8 out of 10. There on we the go. CBSS See? Scale. 9.8. Not being exploited. Security researchers from Trapa Security and Star Labs SG have been credited with discovering and reporting the flaws. This advisory comes less than a month after Zycel shipped fixes for another critical security flaw in its firewall devices that could be exploited to achieve remote code execution on affected systems. Okay. <clears throat> All the comments um, of the Simply Cyber Daily Cyber Threat Brief podcast are those of myself, my own, and do not represent... Uh, Whatever the legal disclaimer is that you would say for things like this, right? Doesn't represent the community or the Simply Cyber business or whatever. Having having pushed that disclaimer out of the way, I will never buy a Zixel product or a QNAP product. The, these, these businesses, man, like they are regularly in the news with hot messes on fire. Like just straight, tr like again, all due respect, it's just like hot trash over and over again. Critical security patch, firewall, and VPN product, right? Now, listen, I know you cannot secure all the things, and there's always residual risk, but it just seems to be that more often than not, if you were to say, like, like let's just pretend that this, this um, the first part is a variable, right? And it just says, variable issues critical security patches for firewall and VPN products, where variable is a business name, Okay. If you were to do a statistical analysis of what, what is the probability of certain values being inside that variable to make this a little bit, uh, you know, software dev nerdy kind of, Zixel and QNAP will show up more often than things like Intel or IBM or, you know, whatever, Dell, right? And again, to my, just full disclaimer, right? It doesn't mean IBM and Dell and Oracle and Microsoft don't have issues. They do. But it just seems so regular that these products have problems, and they have for years. When I was in my um, uh, PhD program, I took a course on advanced reverse engineering, and like the part of the course was that you had to pick a piece of technology, reverse it, and find a uh, like a, a zero day in it. And I picked, I, I actually picked like some type of like crazy bluetooth lock thing and after like a month i couldn't do anything with it and i was super frustrated so you know what i did i bought a zixel a nas device and ooh, that didn't take me long to bust open and i gave a talk at a uh, charleston b-sides on it but i'm just saying that was in like 2016 it, it's the same thing and again as long as they're making margins as long as revenue's coming in they're going to continue to do it right this is like the old school method of microsoft back in the day before they took security seriously like Back during like Windows XP days, for those who are gray beards or, or gray hairs, sorry, ladies, I want to make sure you're included. Um, it, it Microsoft's old adage would be ship on Monday, patch on Tuesday. Like that was the deal. First to market, got to make that bank, cash, right? And and I feel like Zickle's doing that too. They're like, oh, like we'll just ship it, and like when someone finds it, you know, whatever. So here's the TLDR. I mentioned earlier, nine point eight is typically what you'll see is the highest, and if you see higher, you really got to focus. But this is not something to sleep on. 
If you are a practitioner in the industry and you're using Zixel for your firewall or VPN, whether personally, whether you're a small business, if you're a large business and you're using Zixel, you may want to um, talk to your CFO and your CIO about not being so stingy when it comes to IT infrastructure investments because of this reason. Um, but Zixel is not a enterprise grade product as far as I know. Um, also, just note, buffer overflows are still a thing in 2023. Don't let anyone tell you that they're not. I've heard people say that, oh, no, buffer overflows, that's that's old school. No, buffer overflows, they're legit. If you are interested in going to the... If you're a security practitioner and you're interested in taking it to the next level, um, understanding how a buffer overflow works, like, you know, basically overriding the stack and being able to control memory flow and stuff like that, that is a great exercise. It's a kind of a foundational you know, knowledge exercise, um, to be able to kind of level yourself up. Do not, do not, go, if I were you, I wouldn't go for buffer overflow if you're still trying to like remember the CIA triad and stuff. But if you're looking to go like, you know, day two kind of stuff or, you know, whatever, uh, understanding a buff, a basic stack, stack buffer overflow is a great, great, um, exercise. All right. Patch your stuff. If you run Zixels. North Korea-linked APT Lazarus Group targeting vulnerable Microsoft IIS servers. Researchers from AnLab, that's A-H-N Lab Security Emergency Response Center, have reported that the Lazarus APT Group is targeting vulnerable versions of Microsoft IIS servers in a recent wave of malware-based attacks. The attackers leverage a DLL side-loading technique to execute a malicious DLL, msvcr100.dll, that they have placed in the same folder path as a normal application, like wordconv.exe. Then the library is executed via the Windows IIS web server process. The researchers note a similarity between this DLL technique and another previously used by the Lazarus actors. All right, all right, hold on one second. There's a lot going on on here. Oh my God, this is a good one. Oh, Mimi Cats. Mimi Cats. Um. <laughs> Still relevant. Okay. Um, there's, there's a lot going on here, okay? Um, there's a lot going on here, okay? This, this is going to be a little bit of an educational piece. I know, apologies to Base Case and NCC Group. We're at 845, and we still have a couple stories, so I'll do this really, really quick, okay? In fact, this is a lightning round, okay? Uh, I wish I had my boom-roasted sound effect. I don't. I'll do it manually, okay? Here are three things that you should know. One, North Korea's APT Lazarus Group is their most notorious um, financially, basically they rob people. They're basically digital, uh, um, digital bank robbers. So if they're exploiting vulnerable IIS servers to deploy malware, it's, it's, it's very likely to steal money. Okay. One, boom, roasted Two, Microsoft IIS servers. I, you know, I guess they're still out there. Make sure if you're using web servers, if you're using Microsoft IIS, um, definitely keep them updated. You've got to remember patch management. It's like the operating system, but then all the services and applications above it. Don't sleep on the applications, y'all. You have to keep it all up to date and clean. Third, um, this requires the Lazarus Group threat actors to get an initial foothold on the system. Okay, so go look at the cyber kill chain. You need to get an initial, inf like first you need to recon and find a vulnerability. But once you find it, which in this case, they're finding the, um, oh my gosh, what was it? The 3CX, um, 
Oh, no, no. So if you're running this Notepad++ plugin called Quick Color Picker, which will probably give you the RGB values really quickly, um, that's how they're targeting you to get um, an initial foothold. Now, that's really weird because to me, I don't know how popular Quick Color Picker is and how popular Notepad++ is, but that's a pretty specific tool set. I know people use Notepad++, but not everybody uses it. So now you've got a smaller population, and then of that population, you need them to have quick color quick color picker. So if I had to guess, they actually did recon on their targets to determine that they likely had this thing. So then they get on it, and then they're... Um, they're basically running malware. This is uh, this app, this graphic right here is a tool called PE Bear. I've never used it, but a fun exercise, and this is where I'll leave it. A fun exercise is to take some of these portable executable. That's what PE stands for. Portable executable. Which, by the way, when you hear Windows binary or EXE or DLL, which I don't know why I'm doing quotes because that's they're literally EXEs and DLLs. Those are portable executable files. That's what a PE file is. If you haven't heard the term PE file, Papa Echo file, it's basically a Windows binary. It's just called PE by people who know. So there's tons of static analysis programs, which is what this is, where you can drop a EXE or DLL in it and it'll break it down and it'll show you what is inside the DLL or EXE? It'll show you what's in the PE file, right? You'll see that famous, this is not a Windows MS-DOS program, right? You'll see this famous, um, you see this right here? It's so small on the screen. MZ, like the top left, MZ, which is hex 4D5A. That is the fingerprint for a Windows PE file. If you don't see that, it's not Windows, okay? So I would encourage you to go download a PE static analysis file explorer type tool, PE bears fine, and drop any DLL or EXE in it. Look, go drop notepad.exe or cmd.exe or calc.exe and take a look at it. It would be like a little fun exercise. Ransomware gang pulls Philadelphia Inquirer listing after victim questions documents. The Cuba ransomware group removed its listing of the Philadelphia Inquirer on its darknet. Hey, hold on one second. Ruckus. What's up, Ruckus? Ruckus found us through the algorithm. See what happens when you hit that um, like button at the mid-roll? Thank you. ...extortion site on Wednesday after the paper cast doubts on the authenticity of documents that the criminals provided for download. Cuba claimed to have posted a trove of files stolen from the Inquirer, including, quote, financial documents, correspondence with bank employees, account movements, balance sheets, tax documents, compensation and source code, end quote. But the publisher said that the company had seen no evidence that the information was actually related to the newspaper. Wow. Okay, so... Cuba ransomware. It says they may be connected to the Russian state. Uh, <clears throat> it's a tough day for... Uh... Tough day for <laughs> threat actors. Carl! We got another Carl sighting. So, and I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt on this one. Like uploading your, upload, uploading uh, one of your cyber arsenal tools to VirusTotal is a complete bonehead move. This one, I'm giving them a little bit of credit. So basically, <clears throat> just so you guys know, when threat actors ransomware uh, victims, they do data exfiltration, right? So they, they steal your data, then they encrypt it. <clears throat> then they take some of the data they stole and they post it online on a public forum so the victim can see it and so other people can see it to embarrass the victim and kind of um, leverage them into wanting to pay the ransom fast. 
if you got a lot of victims and you got a lot of data and you got a lot of you know mess and you don't have good program management, you don't have good project management, you don't have good controls in place, you're not organized and structured, right? Not everybody is. But if you're um, just moving fast and breaking things, this can happen. So <clears throat> the threat actor says, hey, Philadelphia Inquirer, we got your goods. And the Philadelphia Inquirer is like, show us. And they're like, they're like, they're like, uh, see, and they're like, that's not ours. And they're like, oh, um, see, and they're like, no, still not us. And they're like, see, and they're like, no, no, you're, you're, no. And they're like, cool, 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 cool. Uh, cool, 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 cool. See ya, right? So, so uh, that's what's happening here. So whatever. Um, LOL. I, the Philadelphia Inquirer still suffered a cyber attack. So somebody hit them. It's not like it's not like just like a threat actor group's like we got your we got your data. Oh no, you don't. No, like so they still suffered a cyber attack. They were still down. Newspaper, physical newspaper production was still impacted. But who did it and what they did? Who knows? This threat actor group may have it, and they just don't know which pile of files on the floor belong to the Philadelphia Inquirer. So they're trying to save face and not look like in, look like um, silly, but, you know, it is what it is. Dark Frost Botnet launches devastating DDoS attacks on the gaming industry. Modeled after GAFGIT, QBOT, Mirai, and other malware strains, it has expanded to encompass hundreds of companies compromised devices. This according to Akam security researcher Alan West, speaking in a new technical analysis. Targets <coughs> include gaming companies, game server hosting providers, online streamers, and even other gaming community members with whom the threat actor has interacted directly. Don't forget that at... Okay, so hold on. This is really interesting. Um... All right, so there's a botnet. <clears throat> they doing denial of service attacks. Yep. All right, so usually botnets are used for distributed denial of service attacks, which is basically a coordinated effort with multiple machines pushing massive amounts of data at a target, overwhelming it, forcing a denial of service, meaning <clears throat> so much data is going in that um, no one else is allowed to like actually use it. Imagine, if you will, um, like Black Friday 10 years ago before people were shopping online, when like it's it's like 11:59 and there's a horde of people like a zombie apocalypse outside the front of Target or Walmart and then midnight hits and they all go bum rushing in right now imagine this is what a denial of service attack is right imagine you just happen to need to go get some diapers because you got a six month old who did a number three at you know 11:30 at night and you're like oh my god and if you're a parent you know what a number three is okay so. You're like, I gotta go get some diapers. So you head on down to Walmart or Target or wherever you're going to get some diapers. And then you see this massive horde of people in front of the door and you're like, oh my God, can I please get in here to buy some Pampers? And they're like, oh, right? And then like, that's what a denial of service attack is. You can't get in to make the purchase and get out so you can get back home, change baby, get back to sleep, get a few hours before you gotta do the midnight feeding, right? That's what a denial of service attack is, okay? So it's obviously frustrating because at least in that example, the horde's going to go in and buy all the stuff. But in reality, like, it's just like, you know, BS traffic. Okay. All right. Now, what's really interesting is that this botnet is composed of 414 machines. You want to talk about kind of a, <laughs> like a limp sale, like 400 machines, like with all due respect. I mean, come on. Like, I don't think 400 machines is like, that's not. I mean, those are rookie numbers, right? <laughs> like, 
like Mirai botnet at its apex was like 600,000 machines, right? Like with all due respect, like, I don't know, get back to me when you're like, you know, five figures minimum, like 10,000, 30,000 machines, 400 machines. I mean, we could stand that up in a lab. We could do that in AWS, right? So I don't know. Um, couple screenshots. It's a UDP flood, so you can attack on TCP or UDP. UDP, you can't really. There's techniques for TCP, um, you know, tweaking and stuff like that in order to kind of push down. UDP is a different animal. Um, the reach these threat actors have is staggering despite the lack of novelty in their technique. Whatever. I mean, I wouldn't want any type of denial of service attack pointed at me, but they're attacking gaming systems, gaming servers, live streamers, right? Uh, the, the one thing I'll say, I'm sure the, the way this business model works is, the way this business model works is, like, I, in, and by the way, Mirai, famously Mirai botnet, which is like one of the most famous botnets ever, it originally started to knock Minecraft servers off. So the guys who started Mirai, people would go to their Minecraft server and pay to play there. So if if I was a streamer, if I like this um, ninja, right? Ninja guy um, who plays Fortnite and stuff like that. He makes tons and tons of money playing video games and streaming it live. So if a denial of service attack hits him, you're basically cutting him right at the knees on what his main business revenue is generated from. So obviously it is valuable to do that to these threat actors because then they could say, hey, ninja, you know, give us $25,000 and we'll leave you alone, right? So it's basically like a basic extortion technique. We're gonna take something away from you, your network bandwidth, in exchange for money, we'll give it back to you, right? Like racketeering, protection money, that's the deal. All right, so that's gonna do it for the stream. Let me do this. Actually, come on, what are we doing? Do, do, do. All right, I hope you had, <clears throat> Uh, so I was actually asking, uh, did Michael Huskin tag anyone? Does anyone know uh, if we got the Simply Cyber Community Challenge? We do have to get that sorted out before the stream ends. <clears throat> Guys, I've got a, a 9 a.m. meeting with Brandon Poole from Panopsi, so I only have a couple minutes to hang here. Um, I want to thank all of you for all you did this week. Um, I mean, really, like multiple live streams, great community support. Um, the Simply Cyber Community Challenge. I saw tons of things. There's no show on Monday. There is no show on Monday. I repeat, there is no show on Monday. We'll pick it back up on Tuesday. I believe I will be doing a renegade broadcast from the Buffer Ogerflow Bungalow Studio presented by Red Bull. Um, so stay tuned for that. It'll, it'll, it, it's not going to be ready for prime time, but. Um, Mrs. Ogier and I are kind of seeing how things are going to lay out in there and stuff like that. So uh, we'll just do it for fun. And then we'll be back in the studio on Wednesday, um, the normal studio here. <clears throat> All right. So we have no tag right now. Uh, I'll go ahead and um, tag someone. I know, um, Jenny, don't we have like a list somewhere and in, in, people interested in taking up the baton? All right. So, okay. Yeah. All right. So we don't have someone. I'll go ahead and tag somebody right now. Let's see. Anybody interested? Anybody interested in getting up in here? 
I know, like, tons of people. Yes, Samantha S. All right, Samantha S. Jenny, Samantha S. takes the baton. Nice. All right, Jamie Flex. Uh, we'll add Jamie Fleck to the list of people who want it. Samantha S. Uh, jumped on it first. So, Samantha, if you can confirm you want it, otherwise we'll, uh, we'll pass it on. Yeah, have a great Memorial Day weekend. It's not just a three-day weekend. Very cool. Scott Mack wants to be on the list here. Jenny, I'll add um, people to this list. All right. I don't know how you want to handle this, Jenny, but Jamie Fleck. Uh, who else wanted it? Scott Mack. Uh, Ruckus. Does Dr. Ozier share tips on how to enter the cyber field with entry-level certs? Oh, my God, Ruckus. Welcome to the party. I um, Yeah, Ruckus. I have, let's see. 846 videos on the channel <laughs> many of them around how to break into the industry uh here I'll, I'll share a link in chat at ruckus in fact i probably have a playlist um ruckus the question i would ask you is like what's your uh what what do you want to do like if you want to be a do how do you become a grc analyst how do you become a sock analyst um, how do you just break in? I have a whole bunch of them, right? Um, I'm, I'm just looking here. Do you want to hack for a living? Do you want to know what job makes sense for you? Um, how do you switch jobs? Were you in the military? We got a whole playlist of going from the military. I don't know if you have any IT background. We got a whole pl playlist to hook you up on that. If you want free cybersecurity training, I got a whole playlist on that. I have a ridiculous amount of content on the channel. I've been doing this for a few years and uh, trying to answer people's questions. Have a good one, Jazzy Jazz. Good to see you. Whoops, wrong button. Yeah, Carmen San Diego. it's all about time. Take the time, bite by bite. You just gotta lean into it. Sly Cooper wants to be on the list, okay. All right, guys, Adrian Harris. Um, hey, uh, if you guys wanna be on this list, um, there's a way to, I don't know, Jenny, like connect with Jenny Housley in chat. There's got to be a way to like opt into this and not have me do this one at a time. There's, there's got to be a more distributed way of handling this. Um, all right. So that's going to do it, y'all. I've got a meeting right now with Mr. Poole uh, from Panopsi Security. We're going to be sharing tips, tricks, and best practices. So, oh, thanks, Scott Mack. I think it's a pretty decent course, too. Guys, uh, I'll be in and out of the Discord server all day. Have a wonderful Friday. You guys all earned it. Long weekend. Remember the fallen. Be great. Be healthy. Be good to each other. And until next time, stay secure. Everybody, I hope you enjoyed that content. Keep the cybersecurity train going by connecting with the other Simply Cyber community resources. We have the Discord server that's lively and always keeps the conversation going. You can connect with me directly on LinkedIn. And also every single weekday morning on the Simply Cyber channel, we're doing live daily cyber threat briefings, 8 a.m. Eastern time, as well as Thursday at 4.30 p.m. We're doing live stream interviews with industry experts and we produce videos that we push out every Wednesday morning. I'm Jerry from Simply Cyber. I hope you enjoyed the content and we'll see you in the next one. Yeah. <laughs>